Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, we're very excited, Tallulah, that you're going to get baptized today. (laughs) I said your name. What do you think? (laughs) You have a very pretty dress on. And look at your shoes. Yeah, those are beautiful. Wow. I have nice shoes on too, by the way. <laughs> so I want to talk about, for, first, just about anxiety. I, I think we all have anxiety, a, a certain level of anxiety, a, a kind of a tension. If I think about it as a kind of a, sound wave or something that's just always going on, kind of vibrating inside ourselves. Sometimes it's at an extremely low level. At such a low level, we can hardly feel it. You know, if you're, you're finally involved in something, you're painting a picture, you're nursing a baby, you're deeply involved in a tennis game or whatever it is, you are listening to someone in therapy, you're involved outside yourself, the anxiety is probably very low. But then there are times when the anxiety gets very high and maybe even to the point of feeling it physically. Yeah, right? Give me a sense that, you know, has anybody ever here felt their anxiety physically? Could you, could you like not lie about it for like a minute and, and help, help me out here for a minute? So, so, so is there's this level of anxiety, and I think um, anxiety, I used to think anxiety came from things that were happening to me currently, you know, like my anxiety came from the fact that I was out of relationship with someone or broke or somebody who pissed me off, you know, something made me mad or the floor was filthy or whatever it was. That was what, why I was anxious. But I've, I've as I have been... Uh, healed, I think, and begun to be healed through Christ of this anxiety, I find that my real, the real source of this anxiety is very early, um, really early in my life. Maybe it's the Garden of Eden, but that's so, I don't know, it's very hard to relate to, but it, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I, I've put pictures of it anyway, but um, the, what I remember is when I was four or five, I, I guess a little bit younger than Tallulah, and um, I had a, we lived at Ninth Street and Fifth Avenue, which is an apartment building. I, we ultimately moved to Washington Square, but we lived on Ninth Street and Fifth Avenue till I was about seven, and it's an apartment building. We lived on the 13th floor in a two bedroom, and in the bedroom I lived in with my sister, ultimately my brother, we, uh, there was a, built in bookshelves high up right across the room. And uh, my mother had them built by some guy she used to talk about who was an artist. And the rule was not to climb on them. She, told, she explained that if I climbed on them that they could fall down. The, the thing is that if you got on top of the headboard, the wooden headboard of my bed, you could get from the wooden headboard to the first shelf. 
then you could get to the second shelf. And if you got to the second shelf, you could get a bird's eye view of the entire bedroom. Are you with me now? <laughs> and if you got up there, it was, it was filthy, but you could, you could just sit up there, it's kind of perched evilly, and, and look down at the room. And I remember getting up there and climbing across, you could do it on your knees, across the room, um, along the shelf. But the thing is, the guy who made these shelves, he didn't know anybody was going to be climbing up there, and he left uh, nails sticking up. So one time I injured my knee, I cut my knee. And you know that way when you cut your knee that there's like this pain that lasts for like 27 seconds really badly? And you kind of have to bear with it, but then it subsides. And I felt this sort of 27-second pain, and I saw the blood, and I dangled my knees over the top of the shelf. And uh, I remember thinking as it subsided, now we're even. I mean, I climbed up, and that was bad, and now I've had pain, and God and I are even. And um, that's good. So by five, I already had a theological position. And I believe that most of us did have a theological position by then. In fact, you had a theological position even when you were an infant in your crib, you know, if you cried really hard, you got fed. If you didn't cry really hard, you didn't get fed. You started to come to the uh, uh, opinion, and we know this, that um, if you cried really hard and you didn't get fed, there must be something wrong with you. And um, that was the beginning of your pathology and your anxiety. See, good children, when they cry, get fed and bad children, when they cry, don't get fed. And your parents are God, and you're now a mess. Are you ready? You didn't have a chance. I mean, by the time you got to kindergarten, it was already, you were cooked. And I don't care how nice your parents were, you were cooked. Because at some point, your poor mother was making dinner while you were crying, and you took it personally. I promise you. You were sure she didn't feed you on purpose. It had nothing to do with you, you fool. The eggs weren't cooked. But you were sure it was because you didn't cry right. And then you adjusted your crying. And maybe it worked, or maybe it didn't. You were that smart. That smart you were. And so, anxiety. And I guess I'm of the thought that if church can't minister to this in some real way, I really don't understand why we're here. Right? And uh, I think it really does. And you know, when I was in seminary, what they always told me was, we are a baptismal church. And I remember thinking, well, I was baptized as an adult, but I, I always thought, well, that's cute. You know, I'm glad we're a baptismal church. I would love to know, though, how that's working with this anxiety. I mean, if somebody tells you, see, 
everything's okay because you've been baptized. I mean, just by the way, how's that going? And does it work? You know, when you're having a panic attack and you go, you say, well, it might be a heart attack or it might be a panic attack or it might be a heart attack or it might be a panic attack or it might be a heart attack. Anybody? Okay. So you're, you're not completely sure and you call your best friend on the phone and they go, but you've been baptized. I mean, it works. What if they just said, take a Xanax? Would you prefer that? So I, I just want to say, what do we have? What in our faith makes this baptism something real? Because in the scripture that we hear today, which is so important, we learn of Jesus in the beginning of his public ministry. And just remember, this is the very, very beginning. He's a grown-up. He's not a kid anymore. But it's the beginning of his going public. The first thing he does is enter into this water. Um, this cleansing water. And anthropologically, we know in cultures all over the world, the idea of entering into water and coming out of water has to do with cleansing. In Judaism, a mikvah bath, but in all cultures, Confucius, entering into water and coming out of water. Well, how do you feel when you come out of the shower? Right? Don't you know that all of COVID could have been cured if you just washed your hands enough? You didn't know that? Anyway, um, so that, right, that's not even funny. Um, but I just mean this idea of cleansing and of being clean and of somehow coming out of it and beginning his ministry cleansed. And of course, John the Baptist says the obvious thing. Why do you need to be cleansed? You haven't done anything wrong yet. You didn't climb on the bookcase. I mean, you haven't made any mistakes. Why do you need to get into the water? Now, I'm sure, raise your hand if that's occurred to you. Right? I mean, it's occurred to all of us. Why does Jesus, the King of Kings, the perfect one, have to do this repentance ritual before he's actually done anything wrong. Of course, I think it's incredibly important that he does do it before he's done anything wrong. Because I think he's teaching us something which is in fact the gift which all of us can be given this morning which will impact our anxiety and help us to heal so that when we leave St. George's today, I, I mean this, we'll actually get some help. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, if you could actually make a phone call from your phone after church today and say, this may sound completely ridiculous, but I think I'm better. Because I honestly think the fact that he goes into the water before having, in fact, committed any kind of sin whatsoever is critically important. He's beginning with a submission. And when you think about it, he's beginning with a submission having no idea what it will lead to. We have no sense that Jesus knows ahead of time, oh, and then I'm going to have an argument with Herod, and then there'll be this conversation with Pilate, and, 
and these are the fellows that I'll be meeting, and this is how complex it'll be, and I'll probably get as far as Tyre and Sidon. And he doesn't know any of that yet. All he knows is the first thing I'm going to do is submit. And we really know that because when John the Baptist says to him, why are you doing this? He says, to fulfill all righteousness. I thought about this a lot this week, to fulfill all righteousness. This word righteousness in Hebrew, tzaddik, to be righteous. You know, we think righteousness is very, um, when somebody acts righteous, like when I was in high school, if somebody said, oh, you're really righteous, well, that wasn't really a compliment. Just saying, right? But, but this idea of righteousness really the meaning of it is delightful. It means just the next indicated action. It's the thing that you have to offer. Now look, I wanna confess to you, and I know you could all confess, and it's true, you're not going to be able to fulfill all righteousness. Raise your hand if you, you, you're that far along. Okay, oh, you, I'm sorry, but you're not all raising your hand. I, I would suggest that you do that. Just a thought. Okay, so you can't fulfill all righteousness. But can I tell you something that's pretty good? You've got some righteousness. You don't got none. You've got some good righteousness in you. God made you. You got a little righteousness, I promise you. I mean, if it's as bad as you could actually pick up a piece of paper if it's on the floor. Anybody could do that? Righteousness. Have you ever kissed anybody? Righteousness. I mean, if it's a right person and it's not a bad person to kiss. Have you ever given anybody a dollar who needed it? Righteousness. What about a painting that was kind of lovely? Righteousness. Oh, do you ever cook a donut? Are you ever, do you ever tell a nice joke to Lula? No? Maybe yes? Thank you. See how she came along with me? What a nice thing. Righteousness. You all have a little bit of righteousness. And it's not everything. But this morning, in your heart of hearts, you have at least what, we, what people call in the 12-step program, the next indicated action. You know, Tom Pike was asking us to pray this morning because he just baptized eight members of his family. And he said, I pray that they will grow up and get something from the faith. Look, he could have prayed for, I don't know, peace on earth. But that's not his next indicated action. What was on his heart, because he just baptized these kids was them and I guess what I want to say is what's on yours what's on your heart what's your next indicated action are you supposed to go to the dentist should you uh, I don't what is it should you um, make a joke look you got to do this work I'm sorry nobody's gonna do this for you I swear to I, I don't mean to give you law or anything like this but nobody is going to do this for you you need to do it yourself you need to ask yourself 
what is it God has placed on my heart that I could do? And I'm really sorry. Maybe it's not solve the problem in the Congress because they are impossible. But it's going to be something. And whatever it is, when it's spoken to you, very often Satan tells us, but that's stupid. And when you hear Satan say that to you, would you please say, Janet says, I'm not supposed to listen to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Like the, the little thing that I think I might be called to do. Because that's what Jesus did. He went into the water and he fulfilled righteousness. And that's what you can do from your baptism. So, what can I give you today that will make when you leave here a healing so profound that when you leave you will not be the same as when you came? What word can I give you from God? Oh, well, I just gave you one really, but let me end with a story about when it happened for me just so that you have it in your mind. So. My father was dying, and my father died at age 53. Isn't that terrible? Um, he had finally done a television series uh, and made a lot of money from his point of view. And um, he, you know, got very boring. But the idea was at the end he could do plays. And then right after that he got sick with a kind of cancer that you die of very quickly. And he suffered and ultimately got to the second floor of a, of a hospital, of Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut. And at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut, when you're dying of cancer and you have absolutely no hope, they send you to a, a place called Winifred II. I didn't know this, but when you get sent to Winifred II, you're not going home. So it's a very sad floor. And you know, when you're on a sad cancer floor, it's, it's, it's really something, it's like, you know, there's televisions playing with talk shows, sounds of machines, and everybody kind of going about their business, but it's tragic. And my father's room, he had one guy in one bed, and he was in another bed with a curtain in between, and he didn't have the window one. And he was having trouble breathing. He was a few days from dying. And I was in the hallway. And I remember having an idea in my head that came to me, which was that I should tell him that I loved him. But in my family, you just don't go up to people and say, you don't lean over somebody's bed that's your father and say, I love you. I mean, you're not on gun smoke. This was like the Waltons or something, you know, I love you, and the music starts or something. And then the other thing is, what are you, the angel of death? You know, it would have been like, you know, I love you, it would have been like saying you're going to die. You, you're with me? On the other hand, God was very clear with me. You've got to get this in because he's going to die, and if you don't tell him that you love him, you will have never said it. Anyway, do you know that way when you know the next indicated action is something? 
So I knew that I should say it, but I didn't want to. So I pushed myself. I used my willpower. And I went in and I stood next to him and I said, I love you, kind of like you would say, um, $6.85. And, um, and my father looked up at me. He had blue eyes. And he said to me, and I love you too. And he reached out, you know, he held my hand. And I was filled with such joy and happiness. And I remember thinking how pleased I was that he'd been my father. And that even though I'd only had him till I was 20, that um, I was glad he had, I had him. And uh, it lasted about 20 minutes, this tremendous joy, you know. And I've had that my whole life. And I had no idea when I said it what was going to happen. But look what God gave me. The Holy Spirit came down and touched Jesus and said, you're my beloved son, I'm well pleased. It must have been good for him to hear that, huh? So in the name of God, will you listen to his voice, obey him and go into the water do the next righteous thing he's given you to do and wait for this amazing divine appointment for he has this for you and may peace be yours and uh and no anxiety amen thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.